Podcast with your host, Dennis Zero. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in the Bear Cave. Sitting in the hot seat this week is our journalist du jour and field producer, Trevor Phipps. This week, we are proudly sponsored by Abode Real Estate, your professional real estate advisors in Colorado Springs and Teller County, and Animus Wellbeing, a holistic approach to helping people achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life. We're hoping you had a good week so far, and thank you for joining us for the next hour or so, and uh, hopefully it'll be uh, time well spent. Trevor, thanks for coming in again this week and uh, sitting on the hot seat. Uh, probably a little bit different than what you've been doing the last couple of days, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been soaking in the Mount Princeton hot tubs. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I See, I haven't had the uh, golden wristband yet, the, the secret wristband where you can actually oh, yeah. go and soak. Yeah. You got, that's, you have to have that. Yeah. I'm like one of the peasants that sits in the river and just gets a... <laughs> You know, granite shot up my backside. Well, I, I've always thought that was cool too. Just the fact that you, they have that option where you can sit in the creek. Yeah, it is too. But, but uh, you know, it's, it doesn't have that kind of privacy that I kind of like, you know, so I, I've been going to Cottonwood quite a bit. Right. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit more quiet and, and uh, you know, kind of my, more my style and, you know, I'm not drinking beers in the river and right. trying to pick out granite out of parts that I don't even want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like Cottonwood too. God, I wish we had one up here. It'd be great. Right. Yeah. I'd be in that thing all the time. Yeah, I know. We were thinking about that. We don't even really have a hot tub in Woodland Park. No. Well, well the country lodge, but honestly, the jets don't really work and it's not that hot. So it's, I mean, I don't count it. <laughs> you can sneak into the house next door, the bear cave, cause it's a B and B. It's the one that I hate, you know? Right. Yeah. Maybe I should try that. Yeah. But they have a gigantic hot tub though. So every time somebody comes over there, they kind of splash around in there and I, I see him. Right. I'm just being angry because I don't have one. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I need to start hanging out over here. <laughs> yeah, until they start the fires outside, you know, in the fire pit. And it's like, oh, it's all in concrete and enclosed. It's like, no, dude, have you not seen what's going on? We're dry as a bone and embers are flying everywhere. Yeah. I think we talked about that too. It just, it just makes me nuts. But uh, anyway, seems like Hollywood is losing people in the, you know, they say people die in threes kind of thing. Yeah. Well, last week, uh, we know, you know, Betty White passed away and Sidney Poitier passed away. And I'll tell you what, this, that guy was an amazing actor. I don't know if you saw any of his films or you're old enough to know who he really is, but what an amazing actor and humanitarian as well. But I think the big surprise was Bob Saget. Yeah, that was, I, I honestly didn't know Betty White or Sidney Poitier that well. Yeah. Yeah, it's before your time, right? Yeah, but Bob Saget, I grew up watching Full House and America's Funniest Videos when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Grew up with him. And I remember when I was, when I became an adult and I went to college, one of my friends made me listen to his stand-up for the first time and my mind was completely blown. I was like, wow, because he plays this perfect little father type on TV, but what actually got him famous was his stand-up and it's saying it's raunchy is... (laughs) <laughs> it was colorful to say the least. And, uh, but he's, he was funny as hell. Yeah. Same thing. It's like the first time I saw a stand up, I was like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a lot raunchier. You would pay than you would picture yeah. your head after seeing him on full house. You wouldn't think some of that stuff could come out of his mouth. Oh yeah. Dude got down for sure. But, yeah. uh, yeah, he was, he was, he was hilarious. Funny. But and I think he almost had that niche in stand up comedy. That's kind of what he was known for. And he was good at that jokes. You wouldn't tell your mom <laughs> sort of. Yeah. 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 Well, he was, he was on tour too. When, when that was happening, he was, you yeah. know, he, he was still playing, but, uh, he did two hours, two or three hours show the night before and he 
sent out this big thing thanking all his fans and all this, and then right. yeah, the next day he's gone. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there was no foul play. He wasn't, you know, it wasn't. He wasn't into drugs or any of that kind of stuff. And and basically, what it, what it uh, boils down to is he died of natural causes and fell asleep. And and uh, anyway, you know, we lost some some big talent, and um, God rest their soul. I guess I uh, I had an interesting week so far. It finally happened. The Sniffy Joe mandates are slowly but surely making its way to the Supreme Court. I don't know if you've been following that at all. But I think what's going to happen is that uh, the Supreme Court is going to be kind of split on the whole thing, whether they allow the mandates to be passed or not. It's uh, such a hot topic issue right now. But the thing that caught my eye was uh, when they were doing the arguments, Chief Justice Sonia Mayor, I think that's how you say her name, right? I'm not sure. Oh, Sonia Sotomayor. She, uh, spewed a bunch of disinformation to the media. And she said there were over 100,000 children that were hospitalized. Not even close. Wow. Not even close. And that people were dying. And uh, it was something like, uh, I don't know. I have to go back and check, but it, it was not 100,000 people. You know, that she was she was making all these dramatic statements and stuff like that. And of course, you know, during that whole hearing, it was the, the demo singing the party lion, thanking the CDC and the NIH for all their hard work. And the Republicans were not having any of it. So uh, I was kind of just hanging on to see the cage match between Rand Paul and uh, Tony Fauci. Right. Holy smokes. It happened. So, of course, you know, kind of Rand Paul kind of picked up where he left off and, and just basically accusing Tony Fauci of his uh, antics that were going on. And Fauci was like, this is happens every time when I come on here, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I like your Fauci impersonation. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I did that, I wouldn't be doing a podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> but he's like, you know, I've always been honest and open and this and that. You know, he's, he's a little little New Yorker guy. He's like all of five foot two or, or, or whatever. <laughs> And uh, he hates Rand Paul and Rand Paul just absolutely hates his guts. And, and you can tell, I mean, uh, it was like, it was a cage match. So, you know, if you picture this, you got uh, little Tony in there, you got Rand Paul. So Rand Paul leads off with a right cross and then, you know, kicks him in the groin. <laughs> you know, right away, and 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 Fauci just lies on the on the ground right. and just kind of whines. Rand Paul's pretty small, dude, too, isn't he? Um, I don't know. It's be like the bad battle of the mid. Oh, <laughs> can we say that? Why <laughs> not? Yeah, battle of the little people. <laughs> little people. <laughs> but uh, Fauci had no answer for anything that Paul was accusing him of, and uh, you know, it, I mean, it was a free fire zone. And then on top of that accused him of political grandstanding and this is all for political gain this and that it's like wait a minute uh the only gain that's not being admitted to is the gain of function <laughs> that fauci was was uh, allegedly doing and though and we'll talk about that in just a second but anyway as if that wasn't enough then senator marshall from kansas jumped on board <laughs> and he had uh, he had like charts and flow charts and all these kind of easels set up everywhere and was just railing on fauci and it was pretty much the same thing again you know fauci was like oh no you guys assault me every time i come on here it's the same thing over and over again and what really set him off was he was asked if there were any federal funds being used other than things on masks and test kits. And I can't remember which doctor that was. The senator who actually asked that question was Senator Collins. And I'm not sure which state she's from, but uh, she was asking that question. And she was loaded for bear because she already had the answer. $850 million were used for things other than getting masks and procuring test kits. 
and uh, nobody was copping to it. None of, none of the, the Democrats, you know, or uh, I should say the, uh, I guess they're public officials. So they're, they're, you know, they're pretty much under the regime of uh, Sniffy right now. And of course, you know, Fauci is a holdover from Trump after Trump kind of fired him, just kind of kicked him to the side. Yeah. But uh, when Marshall asked him, you know, he, he said, uh, will you be willing to publicly disclose any kind of investments that you've made? And Fauci lost it. <laughs> he was like, it's all a matter of public record, you know? I mean, you know how much Fauci makes a year? $400,000. Wow. To be a dumbass. <laughs> $400,000 he makes. You know, if, if I was wrong that many times, I wouldn't have a job, would you? No. <laughs> I mean, how can you be wrong for, for two years? Everything's changed. Remember when, when all the vaccines first came out, it was like, okay, they're 95% effective. And then, you know, the numbers start dropping, right? Because uh, the clinical trials are, you know, they're held close hold. No doctor gets to see that. They get to see peer reviews. But uh, when he said that, man, uh, oh boy, Fauci lost it. And of course, uh, by now, everybody knows that uh, when that question was done under his breath, he goes, what a moron. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. I did some headline I saw it said Fauci lets his mask slip in public or public mask slip. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know that dude is investing in big pharma. I mean there's there's no doubt in my mind. But the the emails that were released kind of proves that he has lied to Congress about the uh, gain of function testing that he said he wasn't doing with Wuhan lab. Those those are out. And uh, you can find them online. I haven't seen all of them yet, but it definitely alludes to the fact that he wasn't completely honest with Congress. So uh, anyway, I didn't know that he was going to uh, invoke Jesus into this this whole thing. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what it was it was a it was just a, a perfect soundbite. Yeah, and uh, it just goes to prove that uh, theatrics and stuff like that. I mean, you should ask questions. I mean, before you take a jab, and you know, I say it all the time. Not an anti-jab guy, just an anti-mandate guy. But the the more I read and the more research I'm doing on these vaccines, these experiments, the less I'm inclined to personally um, take that third jab or fourth or fifth or, or whatever. If all this stuff was so effective, you wouldn't know, you know, you wouldn't need that many. But, you know, we're still experimenting with all this stuff. But uh, I did see the big news this week that uh, AOC tested positive for COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's got a pretty funny story behind it, I guess. <laughs> Do tell. So I guess she went to Florida. So she left her state in New York and she went down to Florida and she was partying at a bar that was well known for homosexual and transgender people. And she was seen hanging out there partying all night with no mask on, with a bunch of people with no masks on. Then when she left and came back, she tested positive for COVID. And then the other funny part is when some Republicans kind of went out and were you know, kind of trash talking her partying without a mask on when, cause it's kind of hypocritical on a lot of the stuff she said like that. She basically came back with Republicans are just upset cause they can't date. <laughs> That's what she said. And she turned it into like a sexual frustration thing on the Republican side. Now, now here's, here's, here's the thing to think about. I mean, she just MFs the, the governor and Florida all the time. Yet she jumps on a plane. Yeah. Heads down to Florida to go to a LGBTQ whatever bar. Well, yeah, all the gay bars are closed in New York, Dennis. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's got to go somewhere, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so she heads down there, you know, after, like I say, after, you know, 
talking crap about the Republicans and how bad they are, contacts the Rona and just decides to take it on a plane all the way back to D.C. or New York or wherever the hell she went to. Yeah. Yeah, nice going. Boy, that's that's like, that's that's definitely some bear pile stuff right there. Yeah, that's... <laughs> and then, like I said, the funniest part to me was her her comeback on that. <laughs> like, yeah, this everybody wants to hook yeah. up with you. Yeah. Well, AOC, you're just the most amazing woman out there. No, nobody <laughs> hates their reproductive parts that bad. Trust me. <laughs> right. But uh, oh. uh, whatever. But uh, moving on. I mean, you talk about stupid stuff that's going on. Obama, she's she's back in the news. She crawled out from under her desk or her hole or wherever she is. Where her, you know, because she has a she has a newly redesigned office now. So. I guess she got bored with that and came out. So they, uh, January 6th, her and Sniffy got up and, and did this speech and she did this big, long diatribe and she was trying to read the teleprompter and it just wasn't coming across very well. But in her speech, when she was introducing Sniffy Joe, she compared the riots that happened at the Capitol on January 6th to get this. She compared it to the Pearl Harbor attack and 9-11. Yeah. I'm like, what? It's like apples to oranges for sure. Oh, it's like, it's like apples to pomegranates <laughs> yeah. or peanuts or something. It, it was that crazy. <laughs> I mean, seriously, how the hell do you compare an all out attack by an enemy combatant to a bunch of jackasses from a South Park episode? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you know, and then, and then on top of all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, Sniffy went down to Atlanta again with Obama and man, it was, it was embarrassing. Because Sniffy tried to uh, be cool and hip and talk about the 60s and how he protested and, and uh, you know, got arrested. Well, you know, a fact checker went back onto those comments and knew that it was BS. You know, every time Sniffy says that, uh, I, I, I actually, I think he's, he kind of stopped himself because, you know, maybe I was arrested. He kind of just left it. I can't remember the exact sound, but the fact checkers went back and found out that everything's completely false. And, you know, just like all politicians, they all lie. The only difference is uh, he probably really thinks that he actually did go on a civil rights march, you know, when he never did. Right. But uh, one thing is for sure is that he put hundreds of African-Americans in jail when he was passing those laws. Right. I think Joe is, is uh, he's about to be the guy that sits at the park feeding the pigeons. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, a little, little bit of slobber coming out of the side of his his, <laughs> his, his face. And, uh, but, uh, God, it is, it, we've gotten to that point. I mean, the guy has lost his mind. And uh, hyperbole. This is not hyperbole. <laughs> Every time he says that, he's lying. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Every time. So, anyway. I don't know if I dare throw, throw him on the bear pile anymore. It's just, you know, he's too easy of a target. Right. But uh, is it any wonder why these two people's poles are in the toilet? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to have some local news and more stuff. So hang in there. Don't go away. You know, moving can be stressful. I know. I've moved 13 times in 20 years and I've lived in four different states. When it finally came time to move back to Colorado, Woodland Park and Teller County were our target locations. But before I moved back home, I was looking for a real estate broker who understood and had experience with military families and knew the area well. I found Abode Real Estate and Joshua Dorsey. I called Josh right away and it only took 35 days to not only find our forever home, but to close and move into it. Josh understood exactly what we were looking for because he's a common sense person and knows a good deal from a bad one. 
He'll make every effort to make sure you get the home that you absolutely want and love. As your real estate advisor, Josh will focus on client satisfaction. His business is about service and he's not happy until you're happy. Whether it's finding you a home, finding the best loan, or helping you get the most out of selling your home, Josh is there to guide you. So if you're considering a real estate professional, give Josh a call today at 719-433-4773 or email him at joshua at csabode.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A at csabode.com. I'm confident that you will be completely satisfied. to the bear cave i'm joined today by our field producer and journalist is your trevor phipps and uh you know we're, we're changing things up a little bit at least we're trying to and you know instead of doing the same old stuff again but uh, next week uh, we're planning on having michelle roselle join as a guest host if uh, she's well there's been a bunch of people gone down sick but it hasn't been really the omicron thing it's been more of a cold and, and that kind of stuff but uh, that's know. good maybe it is i don't know but uh, we'll also be talking to Josh Dorsey from Abode Real Estate, and he's going to give us some uh, forecasts for this year coming up in real estate. And we have uh, the Victor Main Street manager, Kim Lodick. She's going to talk to us about all things that are Victor. So you uh, probably won't want to miss that show. The gigantic Marshall Fire in Boulder. I mean, I haven't seen anything like that since I left that place on the West Coast. Yeah. And I've, I've been through a couple of fires and had to be evacuated and uh, it is horrific and terrifying. I mean, it's just nuts. But uh, I don't know about you, if you were watching any of that on television and seeing it happen. Yeah, it was, it was insane. To me, it was like reliving a nightmare all over again and uh, over a thousand homes lost. Yeah. And I, I remember watching the Waldo Canyon fire and the Black Forest fire, but I think Waldo Canyon was somewhere in the three fifties and Black Forest was like four or five hundred or something like that. And and they were bigger. So they were like two or three times the size of the Marshall Fire, but half as destructive as far as homes lost. The fact that there's only, you know, one person has been identified as a death and there's a second one that they can't find that they still list as missing. The fact that there was only two casualties is is amazing in itself. The stories I've read, you can really tell that there is like not only did the first responders step up, but all the neighbors and everybody in the community stepped up. They were moving goats and horses and people, and they just really kicked it into gear and just about got everybody out of there and safe. Yeah, there were shots of uh, trailers just lined up down the road for people volunteering, trying to get uh, animals saved. And uh, you know what? That's the one thing about Colorado. And I saw the same thing in California, you know, where, where people came and because uh, I lived in Simi Valley. Is, uh, which is kind of northwest of uh, L.A. Right. in Ventura County. Well, I saw one cool story. It was um, this guy had a family and his car battery died. I think he ordered a car battery from FedEx. And then so he was stranded at home, couldn't get out, got the alert that to evacuate. Fire came out. He went outside. I think he had a kid and his wife saw that the fire was super close. Well, luckily, really lucky for him because he had no, no way to get out of there. Probably would have been too fast to try to like walk or run. So the FedEx truck shows up to deliver his package and really? she ends up getting the family out of there safe. No kidding. Because they happened to order a car park because the car is broken 
and the FedEx driver showed up right when she needed to. And they might not have got out and got safe if it wasn't for the FedEx driver going, yeah, load your truck up. Like, Man, there's go. there's some uh, divine intervention right there, Yeah, for, for lack of better terms. I mean, I think the stories are just coming out right now, but uh, most of the stuff I've been reading is, is uh, from people who are finding bits and pieces of things that are still left. I read about one lady who uh, found a piece of China, like a, a teacup and a, a saucer that her, her dad mailed to her from Korea, you know, way back when. And she's like, I'm not going to clean it off. I'm just going to leave this stuff. But I mean, it's the same thing happened to us. We had no time. I was at work and I, I worked about uh, eh, 20 miles away from where my home was. Um, I was living at the time before I bought a house. And by the time I got there, the fire had already gone over the top of the mountain, over the top of our house. We didn't lose the house, thank God. But still, you know, the evacuation, I mean, I remember my wife and I slept in a Ralph's grocery store parking lot that night. Oh, wow. And we didn't know where our animals were. We, I mean, nothing. It was, it was crazy. So, man, my heart goes out to these people because uh, it, is, it is such an amazing, horrific event. And allegedly, uh, well, right now it's still under investigation, but it's being narrowed down to a property that's owned by the 12 Tribes Church or Colt or Happy Farm or whatever you want to call it. And allegedly it's coming down to a shed that was on that property, but uh, it's been narrowed down to that possibly being where the fire started or the fire started a field and then caught onto the shed and, and just, you know, went from there. You know, 12 tribes have, have been in, this is not the first kind of brush that possibly they could have with the law. I mean, they've been, there's been charges that have been filed and they've been in court for child labor law violations because they own some, several businesses and, you know, it all kind of, all kind of goes back to the, to the church members themselves. And I think there's also a branch in Mascatoo Springs as well. Yeah. And they run a couple of restaurants and stuff down there. But uh, anyway, it's uh you can go online and you can find, you know, donations going through the Red Cross. There's several organizations that are conducting that. Even in Woodland Park, there's people who are getting stuff together. So, you know, go out there and help your neighbor and your fellow Coloradans. But, uh, man, it's uh, people just watch out. And especially those uh, those timeshares and those Airbnbs. Right. Yeah, it's just uh, this is not the time to, to mess around because <laughs> you want a nice little warm fire outside. Not the time right. to do that, but uh, and anyway. there's one thing I used to say, you know, because with all the fires in California, I would say, you know, fires in Colorado burn subdivisions, whereas fires in California take out whole towns. But unfortunately, we kind of got a taste of California medicine with the whole town going up in flames in a matter of hours. That was crazy. Well, not only one town, two towns, and a shopping center. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. We had hospitals evacuated, and like I said, I've I've been through several fires. I've literally driven through them. And it's no joke. I mean, you can feel the heat coming through the car and it's like, uh, yeah, you better step on the gas. But uh, anyway, um, again, our hearts go out to those people and go out there and, and help your fellow people out. Well, moving on to some uh, more local Teller County kind of stuff. I saw that the Teller County assessor, David Colt Simmons, announced his bid for a second term. And he's running against Carol Kittleson, who is the chief assessment manager in the assessor's office. So I guess she's running against her boss. That's kinda, yeah, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of awkward, right? <laughs> Both are running on the Republican ticket. And uh, man, that, that should be some interesting water cooler conversation. Yeah. What if she loses? All right. Yeah. Then, then, then what's going to happen? Well, I that kind of reminds me of, I saw a story in Pueblo where there was this guy who was a school resource officer for Pueblo County. 
and he announced that he was going to run for Pueblo County Sheriff. So after he announced he was going to run for sheriff, he got demoted and sent back to the jail. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that he came up here and became a police chief or something. <laughs> no. No, so and so he went on, he was on the news and went to media and was like, I think I got demoted because I chose to run against the current sheriff. And then of course the sheriff's office said, Oh, it was he was demoted due to personnel issues. It had nothing to do with that. Well, that's an easy one to fall back on. It's like, ah, oh, the guy was just not performing to the top of his you know, his yeah, his exactly. level. So uh, yeah, we uh yeah, we had to maybe he can go out to uh Custer County. Isn't that where uh Deputy <laughs> Deputy Dog is now? Right. <laughs> I don't know. Bottom line to me is probably not a good idea to open up a campaign against your boss. That's, you know, I just don't see how that's going to work out well for you until you win, I guess. Well, I, I know Colt, you know, pretty well. I mean, I've, I met him when I first came up here and, and uh, I don't know beans about county assessing or anything like that. I I, I just know that uh, the tax man is always going to be the bad guy, yeah. no matter what you do. You've been here a whole lot longer than I have. What has he made improvements in the last uh, few years over what was happening with the prior assessor? Um, from from what I've heard, there's a number of stuff that the prior assessor wasn't necessarily doing, and, and so kind of when he took office about four years ago, he kind of had to change things and do what he was supposed to do required by law. And then a lot of people didn't like that because that meant he was raising property taxes on a regular basis like you should be. And people weren't used to it because it wasn't really being done how it was supposed to be done before. I guess uh, the only way to kind of find out is to see if we can get both candidates at some point on uh, on the show. Is that uh, this November for that election? or Yes, this November. But like I said, it'll be decided this June. So in five months, we'll know pretty much who's... If one Democrat did try to step up and run for the election in November, they'd probably lose anyway. So they yeah. basically say that all the seats get decided in Teller County in June from county commissioners to the sheriff to and this, this time around, every seat is open. So you've got your clerk, your coroner, your assessor, treasurer, and sheriff, and one county commissioner seat. Wow. That's a, that's a whole plethora of uh, seats that are available. So, uh, and a lot of it, kind of the big time is during the caucus, which I think takes place April or so, I want to say. Right. And that's kind of when they all go out and when people decide who they're going to vote on, I think. I think my brain is just so wired to the national you know, elections and stuff like that. I thought it was like a year away, but no, it's like, it's right on us for the most part. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, like I said, and it's, it's coming up sooner than November because yeah, remind me not to go to it. I mean, yeah, I, they're, they're both so I don't know. I I can't uh, I can't get behind any party. I just can't because they're all just so weird. I know. I at this point, I almost feel like if you choose one part or the other, you're not looking at the whole picture. I am a uh, voter without a party. I am politically agnostic, like I've said before. <laughs> Yeah, I've been, I don't, I've always been affiliated. I've never chosen one party or the other. I think the only time I've been affiliated was uh, when I registered as a libertarian for uh, Gary Johnson's campaign. And uh, that's, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't vote for Trump and I didn't vote for Hillary either. And there's rumors that uh, she may be making a comeback. So God help us all. I hope that doesn't happen. Well, and, and there for a while, my parents used to register as Republicans just because before Colorado changed the laws, that's the only way you could vote on the county commissioners and stuff because it gets decided in the Republican primaries. So if you register as a Democrat, you can't really vote on any local issues. Right. But they've changed the law since then. Now me as an affiliated voter, I get to choose one or the other. That's that's where so I'm So I at. either get to vote 
Republican or vote for Democrat. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, unaffiliated and plan on being that way for a long, long time. But um, anyway, so anyway, moving on. Uh, you went to the school board meeting last night. How was that? Do uh, I put the sad trombone in here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, they are just long <laughs> soup soup sandwich. Long and not real eventful and exciting. Well, I mean, again, is is one of those things I miss. You gotta you gotta start texting me, it's like so I can I can go there. We don't have to text. We can just like nudge each other and laugh. But, right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Eilingworth, right? Yeah, David Eilingworth II. He uh he he made another impact last night. Is my understanding? Yeah. He well, he was he's basically he spoke up in the beginning of the meeting to talk about how he wasn't going to recuse himself for discussion about the Merit Academy because I guess. From what I'm gathering, people in the community are kind of giving him a hard time about it because his wife is on the steering committee board for the Merit Academy. And he basically was explaining that since she's a volunteer on the board and he's a volunteer on the school board, that since there's no finance, no money being exchanged, no financial interest, and that doesn't, law doesn't show a conflict of interest. And while he was talking about that and giving his whole spiel, there is a number of People in the audience who stood up and turned their back on him while he was speaking. Were they mostly teachers that did that? Yeah. Okay. So, so technically there's, there's not a conflict of interest, but I don't want to say morally and make it that dramatic, but there kind of is. Yeah. And one parent kind of spoke up during public comment and tried to point that out. But then the, the school board's lawyer actually said that since there is no fiduciary gain or fiduciary conflict of interest because they're neither of them are making money in their positions, then state law requires him to vote. So actually he couldn't even abstain or recuse himself from the topic if he wanted to, which is interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one lawyer talking about another lawyer. Yeah. So go, go figure, do the math on well, that Well, that's one, the other uh, interesting thing. Both Kate Eilingworth and David Eilingworth, both of them are attorneys, but David Eilingworth is a district attorney and Katie Eilingworth works for the federal government. So actually in the jobs that they have, they're barred from giving any sort of other legal advice or being the attorney for the schools, or they can't really even talk about, they can't give, they can't officially give any legal advice to either boards because they're barred on their other jobs. Oh, no conflict of interest there whatsoever. No. <laughs> See, that's kind of weird because if, say, for example, you're in the military, you're an active duty guy. Okay. You can't run for Congress, but if you're in the National Guard, you can, you know, because the Guard is run under state funds. It's a, it's a different, different thing. But if you're working for the federal government, I guess you can sit on a board because you're not technically getting paid for it and you, you, you weren't voted on there by, by the general public. So kind of a gray area, but, uh, there seems to be, I mean, I'm speaking as a layman here, but there seems to be some shenanigans going on because that school is, is being backed and it's, you know, it's being pushed so hard by the Woodland Park School Board. Yeah. At least that's my understanding. Well, and I think that's what's frustrating the, the teachers and the staff, because in their mind, most of these people ran because they were upset Merritt Academy got denied and they ran basically to change that and to push it in as a charter school. It's all coming clear now. Yeah, but their argument is that, you know, they have 300 staff in a school district that 
are pretty much upset. They're not getting paid enough. COVID's been rough on everybody. Sure. And they're not really addressing, they haven't even talked about anything having to do with the current schools that we have. 90% of the discussion at the board meetings with this new board have been about how to retain a merit academy and why we should retain merit academy and so I think they're they're just they're feeling left out of the discussions. It's like we don't care about this group people, but we want to please this group of people. And wh- why would that be? Because you made a comment last week's show, and I and I think it's it's very poignant to what we're talking about. And that's a lot of times people run for office because of some kind of self serving interest. And you know, I'm I'm trying to be just yeah, you know, like I say, I'm I guess I'm considered an outsider. I've only been here short of two years. But it's very apparent to me what's going on. I mean, there are houses and homes being built and there's all these kinds of infrastructure things that are happening that are tied one way or to another to someone who sits on a school board, who sits on a city council, who sits on some kind of government. And uh, I think people are getting savvy these days. They're starting to really see through the, you know, the, the murky haze of what's going on. But the only way you can change that is with your vote. You can't just stand by any longer and just go right. with the flow. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Just another thing I really noticed is there's just obvious division and not even with the, not necessarily the school board, but just in the audience, there is obviously like half that is pro merit Academy that kids go there. So they really are passionate about seeing it chartered as a part of the school district. But then you have the other half, which is a lot of the staff members and some parents that are kind of upset about the whole thing. And I think they're main, but I think that I don't think they're necessarily against merit Academy, but they're just, they think other things should be addressed instead of worrying about merit Academy as a number one agenda. So do they have their own curriculum or do they have to abide by what the state curriculum is as well to teach students? See, I think that's the whole thing. I think they make their own curriculum basically. Well, if that, if that's the case, then, then how do we, how are they getting funding if they're, if they're not held to the same standard that public schools are, I don't, I don't understand. They're not really, because they're not, they're not a charter school. And that's why they want to become a charter school, because then state funds, federal funds open up. I guess that's what I'm getting at in a really horrible kind of way. But, uh, <laughs> but, but that's, that's the yeah. bottom line is that uh, they want to be chartered so they can get funding, right? Yeah. And I think the teachers wow. are opposed to it because they see it as money going out of their district into this other school, but because no improvements are being made to the schools currently. Correct. Yeah. But you, on the other side, you've got 200 students that are going to merit Academy and another hundred on their waiting list that aren't a part of the district right now. Wow. So you open up charter school. Those kids are now considered part of the district. The money that you get from the state per student will go up by that two or 300. So Financially, it might be a wash. I, I don't know. I haven't looked the numbers and I don't know that the numbers have actually been put out there. I think that's part of the reason why the last school board was hesitant to approve them. That's that's quite a shell game. I'm, I'm starting to see a bunch of people with red cups and they're going, find the P. Right. <laughs> and they're shuffling them around. And the same thing goes with school board members and advisors and those kinds of people is like you're playing this legal kind of shell game. That's uh, not crystal clear to me at all, like I say, but, you know, again, I mean, this is kind of indicative of what's happening in school boards across the country. Yeah. Nobody's happy. And I just, I don't know, my argument is kind of, you know, from when listening on both sides, one, the major thing I see from the people who have their students in Merit Academy, 
one major problem they have with the Woodland Park School District, that's the Summit Learning Platform. Big oh, deal. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this a hundred times already. Yeah, yeah. So can't there be some sort of compromise between, all right, let's change the district or offer a different part of the district that teaches the way you want to teach? Or why is the solution to school choice starting up a whole new school and spending all the money to start something up from scratch when you've got four schools that are sitting half empty? Like, couldn't you maybe remove the summit platform as an option? If you want to opt out, then you've got this class or I I just, I I don't really see what Merritt Academy is offering that Woodland Park doesn't offer besides the fact that they're not using the summit learning platform. Have you put your packet in for city council yet, Trevor? You sound like a politician. (laughs) No, no. I don't live in city limits. I can't. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're you're one of the outsiders like I am. Yeah. You know, anyway, I mean, we're, we'll rehash this over and over again. It seems like this is a topic that's not going to go away anytime soon. So um, city council, let's uh, rehash that one. Somehow I missed that whole meeting. <laughs> and again, it's like, I, I got to stay in your hip pocket from now on. But uh, I guess they're, they're just kind of getting back into the swing of things again. You know, it's the new year, but uh, same old stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty uneventful for the most part. Sparked up some... Heated discussions, I guess you could say, when Rusty Neal just tried to put on the agenda with no notice, basically tried to add it to the agenda to appoint Mayor Pro Tem Hillary Labar to the position of mayor. And he basically said that, you know, this isn't going to do anything really because she's already been running the meetings for almost over a year, almost a year and a half. So what's the point then? So he wants it as a sentimental thing because she's put so much work into doing the mayor job, but she can never actually call herself the mayor. All right. We'll send her some chocolates and some flowers. (laughs) And that, and I think it caught Robert Zuluaga off guard because he just said, I want to, I wish we had more notice and was kind of real quiet about it, which is strange for him. So did he go to his secret Facebook page and (laughs) find some kind of conspiracy thing going on? No, he basically just said he didn't like how it was brought up to him short notice. Besides that, he didn't have much else to comment. And then Stephanie Alfieri, don't worry, I have plenty to say, was her first words. And she kind of... Oh, I bet she does. And she kind of went off on him and was like, why can't you just let it be where there's, you know, 90 days until the election? Why are you bringing this up to cause further division in the council? And she kind of... Then she also said, she's like, we all know you're going to be able to do what you want to do. Because we know where everybody sits. Oh, and <laughs> kind of underhanded accusations yeah. going on there. So I, I don't know. <laughs> to me, to me, I see your point. Why even do it? Because it's so close. They're going to get a new one. But I kind of see his point to a Well, why can't we just do it? Because it's not going to change anything. It's just funny to me that it that one little like it's, it really means nothing whether they do it or not. But it's brought up emotions and. <laughs> Passion on both sides. Well, here's here's my point is like, okay, well, why vote? <laughs> why why vote? Let's just toss it out. If we're going to do anything we, we want to anyway. She wasn't voted in as a mayor. She was yeah. appointed mayor pro tem, which is just that temporary mayor. Right. And to say, okay, you're going to be the mayor. I mean, right. it's kind of like, it's kind of like people in Hollywood who just give away producers credits because you showed yeah. up with a banana and an apple. And Well, it's almost like an argument saying maybe there should be something in the charter saying that the city council does not have the right maybe to should. appoint a mayor. I don't know. Cause it's been done in the past and it is legal for them to do that. But it, right. It kind of doesn't make sense. Like they don't, 
None you know, whatsoever. If you look at a corporation, you've got CFO, COO, CEO. The CFO and the COO don't get to have a meeting and talk about who's going to be their boss, the CEO, the right. board, or somebody else higher than that. So the council, I mean, since the mayor technically sits above the council chain of command, I don't see how it's right for the council to point their boss. That doesn't happen in any other. Well, apparently Miss Stephanie doesn't uh, think so either. And yeah, it's, and it's so close to the election at this point, you should probably just let the people decide who's going to be. the. Yeah. Well, it, of- it just goes with politics. It's like, yeah, you know, I used to want to do you a favor because it's a nice thing to do. It's just like, yeah, nice schmice, man. It's like, let's just move on with real right. business. Like, yeah, you know, governing the city and, and doing that kind of stuff and, and quit arguing so much. Well, she brought up a good point. The only reason he's doing it is because he knows he can now because he's got his little block vote thing going on. So they feel like they can do whatever they want to do. So they're going to do it to like flex their political muscles. Yeah. Which we get to make fun of all the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, this goes back to the whole thing again. It's it's like uh, taking sides and and playing this juvenile game of, you know, who's the best sophomore. What happened to independent thinking? Oh, How dare you? How dare you say that? Right. I don't know, man. It just, uh, it gives us great comedy relief. That's for sure. Because I'm I'm just waiting for mail-in ballots only votes now and more (laughs) ballot harvesting like, you know, that place on the West Coast is doing. It's it's job security for me. Because if, if, I mean, if they were normal and (laughs) I wouldn't have nearly as much to write about if they like actually conducted business how you're supposed to and council meetings moved smoothly. And yeah, I I guess I might might get laid off. (laughs) I guess guess I'm in the same boat because then I wouldn't have anything to talk about in the uh, mountain inquirer. Yeah. Oh, man. There, there'll be more good times to be had, I'm sure. Hey, anyway, uh, what's happening in uh, local sports there, sports guy? I mean, I, I saw, man, am I reading this right? I saw that the Woodland Park women's basketball literally destroyed Florence. I think the score was like 61 to 21. Yeah, and it was, you know kind of a big deal their first league win and they're not doing the greatest right now they have three and a, three and six overall record and a one and two league record but there's still quite a few games left the season of league games and they're they're looking better than they were looking in the past so well a 40 point win against anybody is is uh it's pretty impressive yeah doesn't say much for the other team i suppose but uh you know yeah. wow Good for you, ladies. Probably the biggest thing to talk about currently is the hockey team. Hockey team is, they're looking really good this year. I think they've only lost, they've lost one game, but it wasn't a league game. Last time I looked, they were 3-1-1. One, and one. and then But then they were undefeated in their league. They were like 2-0 and in their league, and they're currently in first place. The good news is, because last year, they actually won their league. Are they still practicing down in Memorial Park area? Yeah, just heard that Memorial or Meadowood Park up here in Woodland Park, they just opened their ice rink yesterday or sometime this week, yesterday or the day before. So that was one thing the coach said is they'd have setbacks because they haven't had been able to practice up here as much as they normally are able to. So they haven't seen a lot of ice time, but they're undefeated in their league. Luckily this year, if they win their leagues, last year they won their league, but due to COVID, they changed the way the playoffs work out. And even though they won their league, they still missed a chance to postseason play it's happened with all the teams everything's so jacked up and it's uh it kind of follows you know what our our leaders in the country are doing nobody knows what the hell they're doing i mean they just make it up as they go along but they change it back this year so if they win their league which they're in line to do 
then they will see a playoff game for sure, and then they will have a chance at the state championships. That's awesome. And if the uh, if the weather goes like it is right now, they're going to be a swim team. Yeah. All the ice is going to melt. But, yeah, I uh, know. Right. And that's that's what he says has been the biggest problem because they haven't had as much ice time normally having what other teams get. But they're still doing well. And he said he's, he's got a lot of younger players, freshmen and sophomore, that are stepping up. And got two seniors that are captains that I guess are doing really good jobs as leaders and teaching the younger kids. Hey, ice time is, you know, my uh, my nephew's a hockey player. And uh, he's been playing in Victor like twice a week. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know if that's an option for those guys to practice up there or not. But that, that rink is like, uh, it's pretty cool. I, I think they do on their own, but I don't know that they'd have the resources sources to bring the whole team up there. Hey, you know what? I got a truck. I'll take five kids to practice. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be more than happy to do it. So uh, got that, yeah. Coach? Moving on to some other things here. In spite of the cancellation of the Ice Fest in Cripple Creek, there are still winter festivals that are going on. If you believe that it's still winter outside, it's hard to hard to believe with the weather we've been having. But uh, one of my favorite ones is the Uray Ice Festival, and that is January 20th through the 23rd. And that fest brings together international climbers for competition, ice climbing clinics and film screenings. And it's just a great, great time up there. The uh, Winter X Games are coming. That's the 21st to the 23rd in Aspen, which is also filmed by ESPN. I've always wanted to go check those out live. Never made it up there. If you have not seen a Winter X Games, I mean, it's awesome because these are the best athletes in the United States. And and, uh, usually the Olympic team is kind of picked from who kind of wins the X Games. And of course, you know how they've been doing internationally. But that's kind of the final decider right there. I've actually never been to the town of Aspen car in my whole life. You don't have enough money. That's what I was always told. <laughs> so I was like, why should I go somewhere knowing I can't afford it? <laughs> yeah, guys like us are not welcome. Yeah, except, well, except X Games. We're probably higher class people that attract no. spectators and X Games attract. All we have to do is like smell like pot and say dude a lot. Yeah, but I mean, we don't have dreadlocks. Yeah, well, there's not that many dreadlocks. <laughs> so. I've, been, I've been to a couple X Games and I, right. you know, of course I filmed, filmed some of them and uh, it's, it's actually a great event, so check it out if you get a chance. The International Snow Sculpture Championships are the 26th to the 2nd of February, and that is at the Riverwalk Center in Breckenridge. And there are dozens of teams from around the world that will transform, get this, 20-ton blocks of ice into giant pieces of artwork. That, uh, that might be one to go check out. It's kind of close. I'm, I might go see that one. And last but not least is the Steamboat Winter Carnival. And uh, I'll have to get the dates back on, on that one. But uh, it's hosted by the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club and is considered one of the oldest and largest fests of its kind west of the Mississippi. And it includes uh, parades, ski jumping, ski joring, and of course fireworks for the show because they've been getting a lot of snow up there. So I, I don't know if that's going to be uh, a factor because, you know, we are so dry. Anyway, when we come back, it's uh, things you didn't know about Colorado, news of the weird, and find out who gets tossed on the bear pile. Don't go away. By making gradual changes in your life, you can achieve your goals. Perhaps it's a change in your diet, losing a few pounds, or reducing stress in your life. You can always improve your health. Animus Wellbeing Practitioners in Woodland Park believe that beauty radiates from within because being healthy is beautiful. No matter what your age, they can help you improve and enjoy a better quality of life. If you want to explore ideas on how to achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life, you've come to the right place. They currently offer nutritional consultations, personal cooking classes, catering, and even guided meditation sessions for both group and individuals. Let them help you achieve a life of optimal well-being. Check them out at Animus Wellbeing. 
That's A-N-I-M-A-S-W-E-L-L-B-E-I-N-G dot com. in the bear cave and uh you know we started kind of doing this new segment i mean there's a lot of stuff i don't know about colorado the first one we're going to talk about or another one we're going to talk about is colorado's first snowboarder a near disaster in the high rockies is what it says did you know about that no i never actually heard about that well check this out they were known as norwegian snowshoes back in the early days of colorado history but we now call them skis these boards were often 12 feet long and a single pole balanced the skier they were essential for navigating the deep snow in the mountains. It was on or about the 1870s that a young Englishman by the name of John Webb set out one winter to seek his fortune in search of gold. He learned how to master the skis and he was doing well until he crossed the summit of one of the passes and he tripped. Uh-oh. To his horror, he had lost one of his vital snowshoes, which had slipped loose. Well, Webb was able to grab one, but the other slid down the slope before leaving him only a track in the powder to follow. As the snow was at least 10 feet deep, there was no possible way to wade out of this from an isolated spot. He would never even be found and would simply flounder and die somewhere. In desperation, John placed the remaining ski beneath his body and carefully balanced himself upon it in a crouched position. Gutting with his elbows, he was able to follow the trail to the missing ski to where he had located it far below on the slope. There he dug it out and was able to go on his way. Now, as we know, the slat is wider now and is often called a snowboard and is performed in a somewhat upright posture. There you go. Things you didn't know about Colorado. So I guess technically snowboarding was kind of invented here, but uh, I don't know. All right, well, moving on, it is time for News of the Weird. All right, I, I got one today, and uh, the headline reads, Wait, what? Ever watched a cooking show and wished you could sample the finished product? A professor in Japan has created a prototype TV screen that you can lick to taste the particular food. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Ew. Wow. Anyway, it works by spraying flavors on a thin film that rolls over the TV screen. Uh, that doesn't sound sanitary. <laughs> I'm just thinking of all sorts of horrible things, but sorry, uh, go ahead. <laughs> Way to go, Trevor. Well, such a... <laughs> I can't even go on after seeing that. <laughs> While such a product might seem misguided during a global pandemic, a professor in Meiji University by the name of Miyashita sees it differently. The goal is to make it possible for people to have an experience or something like eating at a restaurant on the other side of the world, even while staying home, said Miyashita. And the commercial version could be made for about $875. That's going to be the most expensive dinner you've ever had. Without you actually getting any nutrients or anything in your stomach at all. <laughs> nope. All you get to do is lick a dirty screen. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's... Whatever. Why not just uh, go out and, I don't know, make something? What do you got, Jarvis? You got something, uh, something interesting today? Yeah, I, f I found one that's actually local here in Colorado, so... Oh, nice. Moose rescued from Colorado basement after window well fall. Uh-oh. 
This happened in Breckenridge, I guess. It says, Wildlife officials in Colorado came to the rescue of a moose that fell into a home's window well, ended up trapped in the house's basement. Ooh. Colorado Parks and Wildlife said officers received a call about 3.30 p.m. Monday reporting a moose stuck in the basement of a Breckenridge home. CPW said officers arrived to find the moose had fallen through a snow-covered window well while grazing and ended up getting inside the house. Responding officers opened doors to create exits for the moose but could not get the moose to leave because it required going up a basement staircase to reach the exits. CPW said in a news release, officers ended up tranquilizing the moose and cutting off its antlers so it could fit up the staircase without further damaging the home. Oh, man. The agency said moose antlers typically fall off this time of year and would regrow in the spring. Moose was carried outside and released back into the wild. Was he looking at television screen downstairs? Maybe maybe it was, uh, you know, had some some tasty moose morsels on it or something. <laughs> if you look at the picture that they had for it, it shows like a, looked like it was like your typical basement recreation room. You see these two ping pong tables or maybe they're two halves of a ping pong table and then there's a moose just hanging out right next to the ping pong tables Man. inside the house. I think I, I, think I may have seen something on television about that, but uh, that is kind of yeah. bizarre. All right, it is time for the bear pile. By now, as you know, each week we nominate the top subject events and or people who should be tossed on the bear pile and eaten by the bears. The person, place, and or thing to be thrown on the bear pile to eaten by the bears this week is... Delta Karen Patricia O'Neill for yelling and trying to discipline another passenger for not wearing a mask on a Delta flight as she was not wearing her mask. Yeah, well, she better settle all those DUI cases and everything else. I mean, and let the, the rest of the crazy stuff just kind of fall into place there, Karen. Yeah. This week's nominations are number one, Vice President Obama Harris for comparing the Capitol rights to an invasion from a foreign country. Really? My God, what's wrong with this woman? <laughs> Number two, Dr. Tony Fauci for calling a U.S. senator a moron and invoking Jesus Christ. <laughs> we didn't know that he was such a religious man. <laughs> Way to go, fakie. <laughs> Number three, AOC for traveling to a known gay bar in Florida, partying all night long without a mask and catching the Rona. <laughs> nice work there, spreading Rona in Washington, D.C. or wherever. Oh, by the way, you're not hot. <laughs> oh, well. Well, that's about it for us this week. We hope you had a grand old time and you didn't spill any of your favorite beverages on your lap as you're hopefully not uh, doing that while you're driving in your car or whatever. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Abode Real Estate and Animus Wellbeing. Thanks to our co-host this week, our field producer and journalist is your Trevor Phipps. As always, if you have an event coming up or you want to become a sponsor of the show, just hit us up on our Facebook page, This Week in the Bear Cave, or our Instagram page. You can also send us an email to thisweekinthebearcave at gmail.com. As a reminder, you can access and listen to the show on Spotify, Podbean, or Anchor by Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And remember, when you write your hate mail, keep it fresh for us, will you? Our guest next week is Tony Fauci. We want to ask him about his latest line of BS and how to save the country by gain-of-function research. No way! Ghislaine Maxwell was uh, was scheduled, but she was unavailable as she was not taking any calls in solitary confinement. And yeah, we told her to call Collect. I don't think she likes us. Until next week, be well. Thanks for listening. Sweet dreams, Sam and Max. This Week in the Bear Cave is produced by Animus Productions, all rights reserved in perpetuity. <laughs>